Welcome back to the Stable Hands Podcast. I'm Eclectic Tech. Thank you for joining us for Episode 3. Today I'm talking with Kyle from Avon Field Stables. We get deep in the weeds on breeding, racing and all things Z1. Kyle has an excellent Twitch stream, twitch.tv forward slash Avon Field Stables. Check him out. Also, pay attention as Kyle drops some knowledge and a really great margarita metaphor on how to breed horses in Zedra. So let's get into the conversation with Kyle from Avon Field Stables. Well, good evening, Kyle. How are you doing, mate? Um, thanks for doing this, first of all. Oh, very, very welcome. Good to be here. Excited to, uh, to take part and, uh, and get to chat with you here for a little bit on this Friday evening. So, Or Friday evening, anyway, tonight, as, as it is. Friday Friday evening for you, uh, Saturday morning for us down on Absolutely. the, the Southern Hemisphere. Huh? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, which is pretty good, which is pretty good. You've got you've got summer, we've got winter, which is always a good time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels like winter today down here, actually. Um, for those of us uh, in the Australian time zones, it'd be nice to see some cricket, but uh, it's raining in Sydney. Sorry about that. Can't do too much about that. But on to all things Zed Run. So, um, Kyle, maybe I just want to start. Um, tell us a little bit about your stable. Um, how did you get, actually get into Zed in the first instance? Um, and, and how long ago was that? Yeah, for sure. So I've been in Zed for, gosh, I started late August of 2021. So I guess that's what, like almost a year and a half now coming up almost on that 18 month mark. And uh, ironically enough, got into it from a buddy who kind of found it and was like, dude, look at this digital horse racing game. Because at the time we were betting a lot of like twin spires. In fact, we would sit on his Twitch some nights. We were playing FIFA and got tired of the FIFA grind. And we'd hop on twin spires and load up 20, 30 bucks. And that was kind of middle of COVID too, I believe. And uh, and we were betting a lot of Australian uh, horse racing, actually, ironically enough at the time. So we'd late night degen 20, 30 bucks into a bunch of, uh, of races there. And then sure enough, he kind of showed me Zed. And uh, got into it, bought my first three horses, and uh, and kind of took over from there. Now sitting on about 67. Um, God, I've probably bred so much glue, though, between now and then. And it's probably about time for me to do a whole other overhaul. But um, ironically enough, he's not in Zed anymore. The other buddy that we were in it with isn't in Zed anymore. And, and I'm the lone, the lone survivor of that early... Uh, early onboarding and it was probably like the peak of Zed. I think the first couple of horses we bought was when Butte legs are going for like 0.12 to 0.15. Like unraced Z2, Z2 knack legs were like two and a half ETH, three ETH. It was a, it was a wild time back then kind of at the peak of the NFT boom anyway. Yeah. I remember I got on, um, I guess around a similar time. I think I was kind of a little later than you September, October. Um, but I was buying exclusive UU knacks for ridiculous amounts of money um what people would be ecstatic to get 30 percent of what i paid for them today i'm sure <laughs> absolutely no you're 100 percent right there it's funny yeah and actually i think the i think the week i started i think my first race was the day that flames came out and that odds went away so i okay. always joke i was like i i never knew odds but i was here like looking for horses during odds and then the second i started racing odds went bye-bye so um, it was kind of interesting. It was an interesting time, I feel like, in, in Zed for sure. So you mentioned you're running about, or you have about 65 horses in your stable now. Um, I'm very surprised to hear that you managed to, to breed glue. I don't know anyone else that's actually breeding glue at the moment. So um, you've, you've obviously got a secret there, especially uh, Butte Gens and stuff like that. Like, how do you breed glue with them? Um, <laughs> but how many of those horses are you actually running today? Like, well, well so I've got dust? I've got my personal stable, and I also run a lot of horses for the uh, the Alhambra and Racing Team side. So on the art side, I run probably depends on the format. Like I keep on winning day, I'm running pretty much seven or eight there, and then out of my personal stable, probably running another ten to fifteen, kind of depending on format. Um, it's it's been a tough month in my personal stable, though. So I'll be the first one to say that I've definitely bled some ETH this month. Uh, you know, just trying to get levels. I got a lot of horses that were good, but now we're in C1 and just trying to see like, is this levels game worth the investment or is it more of a, 
it's going to keep you keeping up with the Joneses. And if your horse isn't great at 550, it may not be great at 570 either. That's kind of the process I'm trying to kind of get through now and figure out, you know, what's worth the investment. So I'd say on a given day to answer your question, 20 to 25 probably on average uh, that are getting run daily. Yeah, nice. It's interesting. Like you mentioned the the leveling up game and we talk about the the new racing meta. And this is something that I've been really trying to come to terms with over the last month myself is trying to identify which of those horses are worth running um, and which are worth trying to pump levels into. Because I know there's a lot of chatter about, oh, you're going to get your horse to say a level 300 in class four and then just stay at the top and dominate. And I've heard Facundo say, well, they're not necessarily the best horses. And I can actually guarantee that. I've got a 300 um, that started at level 300 in class four. And I was like, you beauty, here we go. Um, and it's it's a donkey. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got horses like that that are, you know, sitting at the top of class and they're not flaming freeze in what I yeah. think is their best distance. And I'm trying other distances and they're not flaming there either. And it's like, this horse isn't great. Like you're probably here just because you've got the BA to be here. And that's probably it. Yeah. And that's interesting. Like the, the different levels of horses or the different attributes of those horses Um, inside your stable, are you noticing you've got more VAR and DP or more BA? And is that something that you've kind of strategically put into the stable over the last 18 months? No, so it's probably it's probably partially my own fault of I did a pretty big stable overhaul kind of right in the early middle part of the old meta of I guess you would call it like breeding 2.0 quote unquote. So I got rid of a lot. I kept really like the core six or seven horses that I thought could still be good. And then some horses that I couldn't sell, I ended up just holding on to and they ended up being some of my better new meta horses. But I think in doing so, I've kind of I realized over the course of this week, I think I've kind of handcuffed myself because I don't necessarily have that elite variance that you want for your variance horses. But I also don't have that like hardcore stability, quote unquote, either, because we were trying to breed a little bit of variance so that horses could win races for tournaments and things like that. Because that was back in the free race meta where, you know, you would just throw a horse in and you would hope that you qualified that day. And then if you had a little bit of VAR, you had a decent chance if you had enough qualified to bring home some money in a tournament. Now it's a little bit different because it seems like you need like certain molds. It's like you need the, you need a winner take all T3 mold or you need like a stability mold. And if you're somewhere in the middle, especially with the implement, implementation or rake, um, I feel like it gets very difficult for those like middle of the road variance horses that aren't going to really push T3s and uh, T2s and winner take alls to really kind of get profitable. So it's, it's interesting right now. Yeah, you talk about the rake, and that's an interesting topic to sort of take a bit of a tangent on. Um, I've been on Twitter for a while now saying that there needs to be some kind of rake. Um, you know, the Twitter needs Twitter. Zed needs to um, to make money, right? Like if Zed's not making money, then we we don't have a game. It's that simple. My view on rake has always been use it as an incentive to get people to run their horses in their respective classes and use that to juice the higher pots. And I was always saying my C4 horses would be happy paying, you know, a level of rake to get those monsters out of C4. And this is obviously back in the downclassing days. Yep. But one of the things I've noticed, I had a very good, before the rake in the the new meta, I had a very good top two horse that was quite profitable. Um, And that 10% rake just blasted it. It's it's now got to run in in T threes. Yeah, I mean, I think the statistics I've seen on on six horse specifically with rake is that somewhere around like ninety to ninety five percent of horses that are running T twos are negative ROI because you basically need you know top five to ten percent variance to stay profitable in those because even at like even getting second place in those races, you're really not justifying the rake that you're losing. Um, in those placements and in the races that you're not winning or getting second in. So it's it's tough. I think personally with me with Rake, I think Rake's a necessary evil. I think 10% is way high um, for all race types anyway. I, th- I think Rake needs to be proportional to 
the racing and the format that it is so that a T3 rake is going to be different than a double up rake is going to be different than a T2 rake so that at least if you're winning at a 12, 13, 14% clip or cashing quote unquote for the double up horses, at least then you're not getting absolutely smashed by the rake side. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting. We talk about the, the double up horses um, that moves the, in the money thing. You need to be top six, 60, 65% of the time there to actually to account for that rake and still have an ROI, which is, you know, it's quite difficult to do. So, um, yeah. but you know, as the game changes, we'll, we'll all keep adapting, I suppose. Um, interesting there, you, you kind of talk about um, leveraging that rake appropriately across different, um, at different tiers in the game. And I think that's a good statement around the game is still very immature in this new meta, right? So obviously turning the rake on, was was something um and it might take some time to evolve into a more appropriate use of that tool um once they start to understand where this comes from and hopefully they juice some more pots um what do you think speaking of juice pots what do you think about the um the week-long tawny next week you you're warming up some ponies for that i've got horses that i'm excited to run in it um i'm i'm excited that they're doing something like that i guess i'm slightly disappointed that we're kind of getting a lot of regurgitated events. Like, yes, this is something new, quote unquote, to the last year, but it's not like it's something that we haven't had before. I'd like to see some new formats, um, some some new segmentation aspects. Like, let's get, I know uh, KC from Arbitrage will talk about like this a lot. Like, let's get some 3.0, 2.0, and 1.0 segmentation. Let's get, like, you know, young young racer divisions, maybe an open class where horses that have been bred in the last, you know, 90 days, 90 days old or less races, some um, like kind of like your yearling races, quote unquote, in, in your real life horse racing side. Um, I'm hoping that new stuff's coming. I mean, we saw it with Monday Night Mayhem. I'm hoping we see another iteration of Monday Night Mayhem come back, hopefully, you know, sooner than later. Um, I, I think I think weeklies are great. And I think the the prize distribution of those weeklies was pretty interesting, I feel like, in that it was a pretty nice stack all the way down. I don't think anybody really got a a share that wasn't deserved, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, I'll be racing in that for sure. My my biggest worry with that though is that we see stables run the first three days, get through their twenty five races, they're qualified, and then they sit. And then the only things racing are either the the killers, they're going to win those races anyway, and then everyone else trying to chase cut lines. And then paid racing is going to have a complete like four or five days where it just sits vacant and nobody runs. That's my biggest worry there. So let me pose um an opposite view there just for the sake of it um but you end up with all the monsters running early qualifying and then the last half of the week is just people trying like the really weak fields with people trying to run um is is quite a possible thing as well like is there an option to to not run in the first few days and wait and watch those fields weaken only time will tell yeah no totally i think I think it's one of my frustrations right now with Zed in, in the nutshell is they've moved this game so grind heavy, but then they put in a daily tournament where your first five, where, where your for five races are needed to qualify and you get qualified in five and then you could still race four or five more times that day. Or even if you do it early enough, you could race 10 plus more times that day. But in doing so, you jeopardize tournament qualification and XP. So it's kind of that weird catch-22 as they built a game so much around grinding and getting races in and grinding XP and pushing levels, but then they put in a daily tournament structure that seems totally counterintuitive to the structures that are based. Um, personally, I'd love to see them do a, you know, your best five of your first seven races of the day or what qualifies you, and then once you run seven, everything else is, isn't counted towards your tournament stack, like your tournament mm. stats for the day, and then you can continue to run. I think something like that could be interesting to keep horses on the track for longer. Yeah, that's that's a very good idea, actually. I've, I've thought about um, other similar types of ideas, like sort of having to nominate, especially when we get multiple tournaments running in the same day, like having to nominate a horse for this is the tournament this is running in, um, and then wherever you run it, it doesn't count um, outside of that tournament. Um, that would be an interesting thing to start to think of doing, and I think that rolls out into... Um, free race tournaments as well. I like this idea. I've heard of um, XP tournaments for free. I think that's a very, um, very low bar for, for Zed to actually get something up and running. And then 
if you nominate your horse to run in a free race uh, tournament, then you can't run it in the paid race for that day, in the paid tournament at all. I think that'd be kind of interesting to start to separate the field. And those that are running paid, then it gives, you know, this idea of my less than good horses, shall we say, which is far too much of my stable that I'm comfortable with, um, to actually try and grind some of that XP and take some some XP prizes to, to maybe level up. Um, on the leveling up question, and you, you talk about the grind, and this is something that I've been thinking about for a week or so now. What do you think the, when they designed this system, what do you think the lifespan of a horse is? Because some of these, like to get your horse from 209 to 299, for example, like if you've got, I've got a few horses that are low in class, but with, you know, decent to really good variants. And I, I try and look at the number of races I have to run to get that increase in BA or increase in ability and base speed. And it seems like it's going to take a very long time. And I'm just just curious, what, what do you think the lifespan of a horse is? I I agree a lot. Now, question, when you say lifespan, are you taking into account the aging, quote-unquote, aspect that Facundo has alluded to? Or are you just saying more so, like, what is the, what's the appropriate length of time, per se, to go from, like, the bottom of a class to the top of a class? Yeah, more more the latter. It's probably lifespan is probably not a good yeah. a good word, but more like what what's the expectation of of how long this would take? Yeah, I think I think in class one, because of the fee structures, I think they have it down pretty well, at least in the first hundred levels. I would say, like I've over the course of the last month, I've moved horses from you know five thirties to five fifties, um, but vice versa on the other side of that coin. In class four, like when it first came out and all you had was 250 races and then $5 T6s. And with the way that the structure is set up, you're really getting the same XP in either one of those races because of field size and total pot size. Um, yeah, it's it's long. Like I've got horses that run almost every day in C4 that have only gained like 10 levels. Mm. Um, and that's in the middle. That's in like the 249 to like 260 range. Like that's tough over the course of a month. And we know that it gets longer in the back end. Like I know some of my class two horses, um, were even worse. Like I had a Finney elite that I was running that went 498 to 500 and it took like 110 races or something. Like that's a, that's a lot. Like that's 110 paids. Um, that's, that's a lot of paid racing to get a horse up two levels a lot of paid racing um and you'll be obviously bumping that one up into class one at the first 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 opportunity well probably not it's an elite so probably not but it's also a horse that has that like ready set boom kind of mold where it's got good variants it's got really good dp so i think it's a horse that like if buying and selling of xp ever becomes a thing it might justify like what's push this horse into c1 Let's buy enough XP to get it into the 515, 520 range and let's let it run and then make some money that way versus that's the problem I think right now in C1, at least starting out, especially in the bottom part of C1, you're always donating. So you need to get to mm-hmm. at least 515, 520 so you're not, not donating for the first like 15, 16 levels. Um, but kind of back to the original question, I think the other issue with this that comes up is Typically, the horses sitting in those lower classes are your buterins and your finnies, and they're probably not legs. So they're also the horses that, in the scheme of the class system, are getting the fewest XP in those races as well. Like, it's not like you've got a knack genesis down there that's getting the most possible XP in that race possible because they don't exist down there. So um, I think that's another oversight a little bit. I think, hopefully, fingers crossed, I hope that gets changed. I hope they do some different things with XP, at least in the lower classes, so that it doesn't seem like an 18-month grind to get a horse from 250 to 300, because right now that's what it's looking like. It's looking like a really impossible task to get horses up. Yeah, that's probably a question I'd have for Facundo, actually, if I could, if I could ask him a, a question, um, which is, yeah, in those three, four-class horses... How long, how long did the team think this was going to take when they designed it? Like, did they sit down and go, we want a player to grind out for two years? Or were they, were they thinking, we want a player to grind out for six months um, to get these horses up to a competitive level? Yeah, I think they had a good idea of how long it would take. 
I just don't think they had a great idea of how the community would would give the feedback on that. And I personally think it's too long. Now, I do think this game's built for 6, 9, 12 months from now, right now, than it is built for right now, which you can take with that what you will, good, bad. You know, it's got its perks either way. But um, it's it's tough right now on the XP side. Yeah, definitely. And given my, my tournament performance this morning, pretty, pretty tough on the paid racing side as well. No, you are you're not wrong there. Paids are paids are tough. It's funny though. I think I think paids at least for double ups are tougher on non-tournament days than they are on tournament days, which I find kind of interesting in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's kind of interesting the variance, and I was the variance in performance on how your horses run. So I I bred a um, a C four variance horse, and that was what I was trying to get. Like I want a high variance horse in C four. Um, I called it rugged by flames. Um, and it does, it gets rugged by flames all the time. <laughs> all the time. I have, those. And I have a bunch it, of those in C4. Yeah. And it ran in like in the, the holiday winter, this is like early in the new year, I bred this and I ran it 50 times and it flamed like 70 or 80% of the time. And it ran at one 15 or 20% of the time. It was actually doing really well. And so I was really excited because it was a thousand meter horse or is a thousand meter horse. So I was pretty pumped for the thousand meter tawny this morning and it just got crushed. Like it absolutely just got crushed. Um, so I, I don't know, someone's nerfed my horse um, or the, obviously everyone was, my understanding of what I heard on Twitter over the, the time when no tawnies were running was people were only running monsters. Everyone yes. was like, you've only running monsters in paid at the moment. And I was running this horse in paid and it was doing well. And I, and I was like, wow, this is going to be great. When the tawny opens up, these fields weaken out and um, I, I get to run this thing. But um, some days they run and some days they run into the yep. wall, I suppose. That's Just... that's the truth. I've, uh, I've experienced that. I think the first two weeks that the new system came out, I was up like 0.3 ETH. Uh, so doing pretty well with some tournament wins and things like that. And then Christmas area came like the 19th, 20th. And I was sort of breaking things down. Cause I'm like, I'm having like an awful two weeks. And when no tournaments running everything I gained right when it came out, I've already lost. Yeah. So I'm hoping with tournaments back, things can kind of get back on that positive, uh, on that positive streak again, but we'll see. This is an interesting question for your overall strategy about racing. Are you looking to profit from like just daily paids or how much do tournament wins factor into, I guess, your expectation of profit in the game? So I guess my expectation of profit in the game is probably different than a lot of others. I, I don't want, I'm not in this game to make a ton of money. I'm in it to have fun. And I look at it as, as an investment where like the horses are the investment and any profit that comes from those horses is kind of like icing on the cake kind of a deal. So I want to break even. If I'm breaking even, I'm having fun. Just like if I go to a casino and I sit down at a no-limit poker tournament for five hours and I sit down with 500 bucks, and if I can come out with 450 I'm happy because I just had five hours of entertainment. I spent 50 bucks and I'm good. Um, where it gets tough is when you see yourself like bleeding. Um, but I look at profit and Zed as from a strategical standpoint, any more of um, also a reflection of breeding. So it's one of those situations of when I'm going to breed a horse, what is my outcome? Is this a double up horse? Is this a um, T3, T2 horse, or is this kind of a hybrid? And when I say those hybrid horses, I'm talking those like decent variance horses, really good DP horses who can stay kind of middle of the road, break even, maybe a little bit better than break even and double ups, but then they're going to qualify for tournaments. And they're going to supplement the, uh, the additional income there. So I think it becomes really pointed now with how you run your stable. And we talk about, like, I talk about molds a lot and, uh, myself and Alhambra and some of the guys in the Alhambra and racing team, we're talking a lot right now, like about like, what are those, like, what's your double up mold for Amara? What's your double up mold for a mid? What's your mold for this kind of a thing. And then finding horses that fit those molds and then running them you know, maximizing that run there. Um, it's, there's probably two things to double click on there um, from, from what you just said. I guess the first one is how do you go about identifying those molds? Like what do you use in regards to breeding that horse? Say you want to breed a C3 
top three 1,400-metre horse. Um, do you, first of all, do you get that specific when what you're trying to do? Um, and then how do you go about sort of identifying the horses that you want to pair to make that fold? Yep. So I am, I'm lucky enough to have the blood tool. So blood tool, I think is instrumental in getting like super granular with that breeding. So we do have the ability within blood tool to kind of look at breeds and kind of get an estimated like, um, level. Now levels have a huge range. Like I'll tell you like Genesis to Genesis, you might have the lowest level what's ever popped out of those two, like similar horses being at 420 and the highest might be five. 15 kind of thing so there's a huge range of outcomes essentially so i'll usually try and take like the middle of that outcome and try and breed it that way if i didn't have a tool like that i think zedge um for those listening anyway like blood tool of course is a pretty big investment zedge from shady i think is good for people just getting into the game and that want to kind of get granular and understand their horses a little better um using that can really kind of help you look at you know, what is a horse's variance score? What is a horse's distance preference score? Or better yet, a score like what is that horse's distance preference? And then what is a horse's like base ability more or less, which base ability is a little different now um, with the new update. But then you can kind of min max and look at averages of like your parents and things like that. And then kind of get a, uh, a baseline for kind of what the what the expected outcome will be it's like if you're wanting a double up horse you're going to want good distance preference you're not going to want a lot of variance and then in the new system if you get that good dp and you don't get variance you're going to get some base ability based on whatever that horse's level is and and that's going to help dictate your double up horse if you're looking for t2 3 t3s you're going to want distance preference and variance and you're going to sacrifice some of that ba that's going to give you that stability um, and then, like we mentioned, that hybrid's kind of that middle ground of getting a horse that's going to qualify, break even in double ups, and hopefully win a few tournament races in, in, in the month to keep you there. So you talk about this hybrid horse, and I've tried this mold a couple of times over the past six months. Um, I think I failed miserably every time. But I saw a graph on Twitter uh, a couple of days ago where they were mapping expected um, ROI versus... Yep. Uh, variance i think it was and there was this dead zone right in the middle where if your horse was from i think 35 to about 60 variance there wasn't a format where you were going to be profitable um expected roi and that's where i think those well for me anyway that's where a lot of those hybrid attempts ended up um just in the in the boneyard i think yeah no and, and that's where a lot of mine with this new rake have ended up as well um, which is unfortunate. It's like not anymore. I think you know if you're a, if you're a if you're a Zedge guy, you're probably wanting variance like above seventy. If you're a Blood Tool guy, you're probably wanting like variance above like eight in order to stay kind of there. Um, but you got to have that good DP to get there. I think. And then different distances impact differently too. Like we're 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 realizing I think that marathoners because of the prowess of dp at the extremes of marathon you can get away with a little more variance there than you can in say um mids or sprints there that variance kills you because it always pushes you either eight nine ten or one two three but you're not getting those four five sixes that you need to stay profitable yep. in the double upside yeah yeah i have a um i think it's like a 93 variance um knacker exclusive and i I love this horse, man, but it either wins or it comes dead last. <laughs> yep. Lots. I had I had the pleasure of owning Skucks there for a while, and my gosh, was that a fun horse to run, but they started killing variants. So, like, uh, there's a point mm-hmm. last fall I was like, you know what? I can't qualify it. Um, I'm not making enough money daily to justify it in paids because I can't get paid volumes. Like, what do I do here? Like, I'm seeing the writing on the wall and sold it. And the horse has made like 0.4 ETH, 0.5 ETH since the new class systems come out, just crushing, like absolutely crushing fields in C3 right now. Yeah, yeah it seems from the last month, I, I think variance is the way to go. Um, it seems like, you know, I'm moving slowly, but we'll be moving almost stable to variance um, as, as best I can. You mentioned before about kind of rebaselining your stable. One of the things I've seen in mine is like I've got way too many horses. Um, 
and it's just too tempting to run them when I shouldn't be running them, and it, and it bleeds me Eve. So I've got to I've got to get them out. Um, what do you do with these these old horses today? Like, it, unless you're willing to accept, you know, pennies on the dollar. Yeah. What what do you what do you do with these old horses? Is there a plan for these horses that are, you know, they're not super glue, but you've got other horses to run. What what can you do I... with the, these old nags? That's a it's a great question. I don't. I I saw Facundo made a post on uh on Twitter the other day that basically alluded to um uh what what was it that was said? I think somebody was was bringing up the old uh, the old catalyst idea again, and Facundo kind of came along and alluded like, well, what if we get a burn mechanism where you burn a C three horse or like three C three horses? It gives you uh, an Evo three token. Well, I guess it would be Evo four. No. Yeah, it would be Evo 3. Like it's going to give you an Evo 3 token so that you could upgrade one of your Evo 4 horses to an Evo 3. So I think that's kind of interesting. I don't know if I want to sell horses quite yet. Like I, One, I just don't know if there's ever a reason to sell horses for $1.50 on Haku. Like I just don't think that makes sense. Like I'm not that hard up with my stable that I need that $1.50 to, to do anything in Zed right now, if that makes sense. Yep. So... I think from that standpoint, I'm, I'm hoping Zed gives something out there to give those horses maybe some some viability in the future. And worst case, like maybe once tools get a little better, you can start getting more granular. And maybe those are horses that can make, you know, 199 or 200 level horses or that can make some 280s or 380s um, down the line. And maybe they're stepping stones to something that can make you profit. Yeah, I think of what a lot of what's underlying this, and I know in the back of my mind, this is why I've been hesitant to sell or to fire sale horses since I started. Um, you mentioned something earlier on, which is exactly how I've been playing the game, which is with volume and player base, a lot of these horses that are glue now become actually worthwhile um, on the secondary market. Uh, once the demand starts popping up and I, every time I look to sell a horse, I'm like, Man, what does this look like in 18 months? When I've got this, you know, Z12 Knacker Elite that I'm like, yeah, not really running. Yeah. Do I want to take 10 bucks for it? Do I want to take five bucks for it? Or will I be kicking myself, you know, August 2024 when they're selling for two or 300 bucks? Yeah, and one of my most profitable stables in my in my personal stable right now is a horse named Hamar. And it was the it was the second horse I ever bought in the game. The first one was terrible. I made a couple bucks on it and flipped it because I realized it wasn't great and bought this horse and horse is good through like the early, like fall of 2020 and then got lapped once the like first class system came out in like December of that year when they opened up classes and C3 got bigger and C2 got bigger and whole nine yards and the horse just got lapped at that point. Um, but now it's made like 0.12 ETH in, uh, this new system because it's a good class four horse and it's got like 50 levels of runway. Um, so when that horse gets to 300, like it's flaming right now at level 250. So at 300, that horse is going to be really good. And it's made like three or four finals in, in class four right now as a mid runner. So um, I think your points probably spot on. I think volume and, you know, more people like that. We're playing this game right now with gosh, what four or 5,000 active users if we blow this game up to 15, 20,000 active users, how many horses in our stable right now that we think are glue are actually going to be middle of the road um, yep. in that new system and instantly have value? Yeah, well, it moves the ROI line down your stable, right? Yep. Um, and this is this is what I'm struggling with at the moment is the – I've got 85 horses in my main stable at the moment. Like I said, way too many. And the, the percentage of those that can actually run profitably is really high, like – sorry really low it's at the top elite of my stable um with volume i think that line goes further down the down the list yep. um but you know it's a it's a new day it's a it's certainly a new game um i know i've heard a lot of people talk about you know marketing and just when is ed going to sort of have a big onboarding push personally i don't think they're ready yet i don't think the ecosystem's ready yet i think there's a lot of changes they probably still need to roll out um the people that sort of talk about the marketing stuff. Um, I know Bryce was saying it should have happened over Christmas from Sangundo, but 
I just don't think we're ready. I, I think we only get one shot at a massive marketing push um, to, to really onboard. You want people to come on board and actually have a good experience. Um, and I, we're close, but I don't think we're there yet. So getting to that onboarding question, um, are you actually onboarding anyone you know into Zed at the moment? Have you kind of started to, to get people back in or is it sort of similar for you as well? Yeah, I've, I've tried actually. So one of the guys who um, got me into Zed, actually the guy who got me into Zed quit probably, gosh, he was probably, I came in in August. He was done by New Year that same year. Um, but I've talked to him and I'm like, hey, like, so he's at, I, the Genesis I own is actually his horse that he just lets me breed and hold on to because it's, it's, I mean, he bought it for 0.3. It's worth 0.04, 0.05 or whatever now. So, I mean, it's not worth at all what he bought it for because it's glue. But um, I've actually talked to him and I'm like, hey, you want, you want to run some of my horses? Like, I'll give you some good horses to run. Like, you'll make some money. I'll give you 30, 40 bucks to tinker around with as like seed money to get going and run paids. Cause I was like, I can't run 50 horses a week, but, or a day, but there's probably horses sitting in my stable that deserve to be run that are just not getting the, uh, the volume and the, and the, and the time and energy they deserve. So I think the first thing is like, so I guess with that is I think we need to get some of the old users back who quit and haven't had the experience of this new racing system and see that, you know what, there is some fun to be had here. Like things are better than they were when you left. Um, but I do kind of agree with Sangudo. And and one of the reasons I think that is um, with ETH down, it's probably as affordable of an onboarding pipe as an onboarding point. I'm sorry for people to come in and kind of get some experience and actually buy some things of, of quality. Um, I worry that Zed's going to make an onboarding push and ETH's going to go to 3000 bucks again. And the cost of entry is going to skyrocket for anyone wanting to come in, which is great for lending, but terrible for us getting new users actually buying and selling horses that don't have deeper pocketbooks. Um, whereas right now, I think it's very new user friendly from a, from a cost standpoint. Now, can you, I, go ahead. So I was just going to say, can you see a future where there are like most new players are jockeys lending horses for free? and running and then there are stable owners that sort of own horses and then a lot of these new user base players are actually pure jockeys with that's a zero investment for me as as that new user in that point yeah i think so i i can see an area where yeah absolutely actually i think if this game ever gets back to ten thousand plus active users daily um I think the jockey element becomes crucial as a like point of entry for people to kind of get their feet wet and see if they want to do it. Jockeying kind of becomes like the demo. Like when you go into a video game store back in the day, you go into GameStop, they've got the they got the new Madden sitting there in the TV behind the glass or whatever, and you get to test it out before you go and buy it. Like, I think it's kind of one of those things. Um, I think jockeys are huge for the future of Zed. Um, especially as stables get bigger and bigger and they get more and more horses that are capable. Um, one person can only do so much. And I think it goes two ways. And that is we onboard, we get a bunch of new users and we get jockeys or the bots take over, um, which is two totally different kind of viewpoints of how this game grows at scale anyway. What are you, either need, on... you either need a hundred, you either need a hundred people that can run horse. You need a hundred people that can run a thousand horses, or those thousand good horses are going to go to a couple servers, and those servers are going to run those horses. So, what are, what are your thoughts on bots then? Like, I haven't given it too much thought. Um, I haven't really thought about it in depth, but like, yeah. is is setting up an ecosystem of just bots running against bots that doesn't sound like what i'm here for to be honest no it that and that's that's the that's the crux in everything i think and i think at some point i think bots where bots will fail is race selection so i think that's where the human aspect comes in where I think bots are going to come in if we don't get the users because there's too many horses in the ecosystem that need to be run every day and there's not enough people to run them. And 
people are going to want to find ways to get those horses on the track and get those horses grinding XP. Um, I think bots in terms of one horse, one race per stable, fine. Um, I don't see an issue there. Um, and I mean, I'll use the example of, you know, there were times before this class system came out where I was looking to get one of my horses in a $25 thousand meter race. And I'd sit there for five or six hours waiting for one to pop up so I could throw them in and it wouldn't pop up. And then it would pop up at three o'clock in the morning while I was asleep and it would fill and run before I woke up. And there was a racing opportunity I missed where if I had a bot that could say, hey, a $25 thousand meter race gets to four people, go ahead and put the horse in. Um, I think that's fine. Now, some of the things that we saw this year with people race stacking to get their horses qualified for things like Monday Night Mayhem and tournaments, I think that's just, I think it's despicable behavior. Um, I think there's a good and a bad, but to your point, the game needs to find a way to find the right balance between automation and people doing things themselves. And I think if that balance is found, I think it's great. Like maybe bots come up in a circumstance where, and I just thought of this on the fly, where you get 10 bot slots for your stable and you can put 10 horses into those bot slots and that's it. But at least then you can have some horses getting automated that you know are going to get run eight, nine times a day and freeze or 250 at whatever distance mm-hmm. or whatnot. And then at least you can focus on some of the other prize pools and some of the other areas that like, maybe I don't want to auto enter my horse into this hundred dollar C1 race because blood duchess and one more Tisha are there. Like that I'm not going to win that race. Like that's a negative value play for me, but at least I can focus there while the bots do some of the more trivial stuff in some of the lower classes with horses that may or may not have as big of EV swings. Yeah, interesting. There's, there's definitely lots to talk about in, I guess the bot space going forward, but, one of the things that seems, you know, apparent to everyone, and you know, this is no revelation, volume fixes a lot of our problems, like the user 100%. base. Yeah. Um, again, I, I, I'm still bullish on Zed. Obviously, I'm still here. I'm making content for it. But um, I think the next six months will be very interesting and very important for Zed, just quietly. Yeah. No, I, I agree there. I think, I think they have the right people and probably 80% of the, of the team are the, are the, are the right people for the job. Um, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting spot right now for Zed. I go bullish for two weeks and then something happens that I'm like, what is, why are we doing this? Like, have we just gone, have we, have we lost the plot? Like I, I've been frustrated this week, I guess. Cause I feel like Zed had so much momentum coming out of this class system and they had so many good things going with the new updates. And then like the holiday season happened and it was like everyone went on vacation and it was here's three fibs, here's three keep on winnings. Like I get it, you have holidays, you have time with your with friends and family and things like that, but Christmas is December twenty fifth every year. Like, let's plan that stuff between Thanksgiving and Christmas so that we can go on vacation and already have a planned schedule in place so that it doesn't seem like we just went on vacation and left everyone hanging for three weeks. Like it's frustrating in that regards. There's a bit of a miss there. I think I, I, I'm less, um, less critical of them in that. And again, I'm probably way too optimistic, but I'm hoping that they, uh, the break of the team was because they know what's in front of them for the first quarter of this year, as opposed to less, less about, Hey, we've just delivered. Everyone take some time off more about, and this is what I'm hoping more about. There is so much in front of us um, in the next three to six months, everyone go and have some time off and get ready. That that's, that's my eternally optimistic view. Anyway. I like that. The the good old, like, Hey, uh, Jan, Jan six, we're hitting the ground running rest up. Cause It's it's going to be a long ninety days. We got we got a lot of work to do. So I could see that too, and I hope you're right. I really do. Like, I, I I'm a person. I'm never going to fud my own bags because I'm not going to sit here and talk down on on the product that we're playing every day. Because one, it's just it's not good for your mental health. I think to be negative all the time. But two, it's not good for the the evaluation of the things that you own. So it's like it's it just doesn't make sense to to always be negative on those kind of things. I think the biggest skill in Zed that any player needs to really, really focus on, and I struggle with this, but is removing the emotion. Yep. 
that is that is the number one skill as a if you are a new player listening to this um that is the number one skill just try and remove all the emotion and if you figure out how to do it hit me up in the dms <laughs> yeah i mean some of the best months i've had were i joked I had a uh, I had a really really frustrating August. All my stables struggled. Every horse I had had gotten lapped that had been doing well. I went from making money to losing mass amounts of money, and I was like totally frustrated. And it was negative, and it just wasn't fun. I actually took a break from streaming and stuff too because I was like, I'm not gonna go on and be and be toxic and frustrated every night that I'm on. And then I was like, you know what? Positive September. And September was the most fun I've had racing because I just took I took the negative out replaced it with like could just have a positive outlook and if we're feeling crappy or we're not feeling like it that night we don't have to do it um i mean people we call it like uh i played some league of legends and a lot of fifa as i had mentioned before and like fifa had weekend league and fifa as a game product for anyone who's played it before is just the most random weird game like i've lost games because balls went through my keeper's chest and it's like um okay like and, and it's a super competitive atmosphere and it's really easy to get like tilted same thing in zed like you go on tilt and zed you start making bad decisions you start throwing horses into races they don't belong in and then you lose more money and then it just compounds itself to where you're just like a a maniac rolling downhill just like poker people go on yeah. tilt and poker all the time and just bust out um just trying to keep a level head in this game is is crucial i think that's a really, really good analogy. And this gets back to this is why I've got to get so many horses out of my stable and just put them into the holding yard so I can just yeah. focus on the whatever, the eight to ten that I want to focus on for the next ten to twelve weeks, you know, and, and take a better view on it that way I think is the right way forward. Yeah, I, I have friends that'll make another make a meta mask on a separate browser of like my donkey stable and they will throw all their glue into that donkey stable. And it'll be a, it'll be like it'll be like gosh it'll be like safari or something that they never open and play Zed on. That the only way they can do something with those horses is if they go to a browser they never use, go to a separate MetaMask they never use, sign in and do it that way. It just it takes it totally out of the uh, out of the picture. That's a good idea. I have mine set up in a separate Chrome browser, which is very yeah. easy to get into. So that I, yeah. I might I might take take that and yeah set up a Firefox instance or something. Um. Interestingly enough, like I'm, I'm pretty keen to talk. Um, also, we've kind of chatted about racing. Um, we've chatted a little bit about breeding. Um, obviously, breeding is is the hot topic right now, right? Um, what What are your thoughts about how do you go about picking those right um, horses to actually go for? And do you think that breeding 3.0 uh, has a future? Do you think they've they've done it right or, or have we just rugged everyone? What a question there. What a, what a hot topic question. Um, I think what they've done to knack Genesis is just kind of wrong personally. Um, and the other thing I'm interested on, maybe it's just a situation where we haven't seen enough breeds come out to show value or not in the system like maybe we're sitting here six months from now and they're like god we were all idiots in january like the issue was we only had 35 400 4000 horses bred and we just didn't have a good good roles in breeding to show it but i think one of my only issues one of my big issues i see right now with breeding is um you bred a you bred a z3 knack leg um in the old system and it got ported into the new system at, you know, 536, 542, whatever. However, I'm not seeing a lot of situations now where those same two parents can pump out a knack leg at that same level. So that's one of the things I find strange. Now, that could be a volume issue. It could be an issue with bad rolls. Um, but, like, I question right now, like, Felicity Force, uh, I think, was the highest bred horse um, in terms of levels that got put into uh, into the new update. I question if, I think that's uh, grander and figured it out, I think. Um, I question if those two parents could breed 10 horses in the current system and even get a horse above 550, yet alone a horse at 570. Um, which I think is kind of a, a flaw right now in the system. I think what's happened with NAC, NAC gens is just 
is, is not right. I think there needs to be more balance given the knack gens. I don't know how you do that. I'm not a game developer. That's not my strong suit, but you've got guys that have put a lot of money into some really good horses that now can only breed horses at the bottom of class one where they're getting dominated. I don't mind what they've done with Buterin breeds, candidly. I think Butte Genesis were probably an area they gained that had the lowest amount of focus and probably the the breed type and bloodline that struggled the most for the last 18 months. So I don't really mind the fact that those are getting a little bit of a buff and that those can put horses into C1. I think the stats I saw were that Butte Gen on Butte Gen was making um, legs in class one like 15% of the time. I don't mind that one bit. Um, I think breeding 3.0 as a whole is is good. I think it takes the community to kind of change their mindset. And I think so much of that mindset and so many of those like quote unquote good breeders were good breeders because of how they passed base ability. And now base ability is not passed that way. So you just got to reframe things. Um, I've made this Twitter post of um, breeding now was like, you want to make a really good, really strong margarita and you want to get drunk off of it. So you put in some Grand Marnier and you put in some, uh, a bunch of good tequila and that's your DP invariance. And margarita mix is the BA on top. So your glass can only hold so much. So you pour in your v, your VAR, you pour in your your DP. That's your that's your tequila and your you know Grand Marnier or whatever. And you fill your glass up however full you want to make it. And what goes on top is just that marg mix, and that's your BA. And then every time you level, your glass gets a little bigger. You don't get more alcohol. You just get a little more mix and a little more mix. Um, so it's all about just maximizing how you get your alcohol versus how you get your BA. And if I can extend on that metaphor, which is a brilliant metaphor, um, your your horse breed, like your gen legendary exclusive, that's the size of the glass of the yep. parents. Exactly. Yep, exactly. That's really, it's really, really good way to think about it. And, 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 and even Facundo like that, by the way. Yeah, and margaritas are great as I sit here and drink a couple White Claws <laughs> on my Friday night. So <laughs> It's a bit too um, – even though I am Australian, it's a bit too early for, for margaritas. Yeah, um, no, it's – yeah, it's – what is it, like 7, 8 o'clock there right now, I guess? Uh, no, 10.30, yeah, 10.30 in the morning, so. Not bad. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's 5 o'clock somewhere, though. Fact. Absolutely. Um, so – just as we sort of get to the end of the hour and I kind of just keep trying to keep these things at about an hour, sort of 45 to an hour long. And just want to say thanks for your time. No, um, thank you. Really appreciate um, you coming on board and, and uh, helping me out with, with getting some content out. It's, um, it's as I said, super appreciative. Um, one of the things I kind of just want to finish up with, I guess, two more questions. Um Actually, it's the same question. What's the biggest thing that, that no, one's, no one's talking about it? We're missing it. What's the thing that's missing out of the Z ecosystem in your mind? Um, it's two things. We've talked about one, and that's just we need people. That This game right now is built for triple to quadruple to plus the number of users than we have right now. And if we get those people, this game's going to be a smashing hit. It's going to be a huge success. And it just grows exponentially, I think, from there, um, especially as people get more and more fluent with crypto. I don't think crypto's going anywhere. ETH's not going anywhere. Um, it's going to be a staple. The second thing is uh, I think aging is super, super, super important to what they're building. Excuse me. Sorry. I know we didn't talk about that a lot um, here in this call, but like I've said in several different discords I'm in, I wish they would come out like tomorrow and say like, "Hey, aging gonna start January or gonna start March 31st," because I think that qualifies into Facundo's um, spring in the Northern Hemisphere comment. So it's gonna be out March 31st that, or 30th. I don't know how many days are in March. Um, it'll be out, and guess what? Every race you run from February 1st on is going to count towards that aging component. We can we can put in some of the effects of aging without throwing it live right now just by saying, hey, 2-1, this, 
this goes live 331 all the races you've run in that two month span are going to count so probably shouldn't be throwing your 610 ranked knack gens and free races because you're losing races that you could be throwing them into higher value i think that one quick tweak that one quick announcement would instantly put really good horses in much higher dollar value races and then open up your 250 top threes in class one um, into better areas i think the other thing that needs to happen with aging is i think the biggest um benefit you could give a horse to classing up is if you class up your aging counter resets to zero so if you're sitting there in class two and you're at 500 evo and you say you know what i'm i'm about to age out i'm about to start getting you know only half as much volume i'm going to go to class one bam your aging counter goes back to zero um it gives legs and gens a reason to move up to the system um we've seen it already we kind of touched on it earlier you're not going to go from class four to class one unless there's some way to reset aging in between because it's like 5,000 races. It's just not, it's not viable. So I think those two things are the things that we need most in Zed right now. It, that, that brings us full circle to that. What is the, what is the length? What is the lifetime of a horse? Right. Yeah. Um, Cause I, as I said, some of my horses to get them all the way through C2, I got a four oh six. Um, if there is aging, and I I agree there should be aging, um, you should age everyone that. else's horses except mine. Um, <laughs> but like there there should be aging, um, and it needs to reset. Like if I'm going to class up, then that's a a very significant investment in time to run that yep. into. In, and especially if I'm classing up into C1, and my view is every horse in the game should be trying to be in a C1 horse. Like yeah, C1 I, should be the premier, should be the highest returns. That's the whole point of the game. I said the same thing today. I said uh, in, in one of the chats that we were chatting about, I said we got rid of downclassing, but we really didn't. Because if you're breeding a C1 horse right now, like you've got rocks in your head if you're breeding a C1 horse right now and trying to breed something else into C1 because you're not going to make money there for the first three or four weeks that you race it. So we got rid of downclassing and instead we just replaced it with let's take C1 horses, combine them with C4 horses and try and make top of C3 horses. <laughs> yeah. So we got rid of it, but we really didn't. Whereas the game should, the method of the game should be let's try and breed as good of a horse as we can not let's breed as good of a horse as we can that falls in this 20 level windows so that I can take money. We've replaced one form of downclassing with another, as far as I'm concerned. So I think, I think that aspect that you just hit on, like you should want to breed the best horse possible for your stable. That should be the aspect of the game. Um, like in sports, no one sits there and says, you know what? I think we want to finish third in the division this year. I think exactly. that sounds great. Like I, I want to finish third in the division. So we get a couple better draft picks next year. Like, no, like you want to win the Super Bowl, You want to win the championship. You want to compete for the best prizes. You don't want to play in the minor leagues for your entire career. You want, you want to, you want a pro contract. Um, same thing yeah, in Zed, I think. No team owner puts together a team to run middle of the road in division three. Yeah. It's, it doesn't happen. That's, yeah. that's not, that's not how sport and that's not how competition works, which yeah. I think I think if we can get there, that'll be fantastic. Well, I certainly do hope we get there. I certainly think um, all the all the things are falling into place. I'm super excited for the next sort of ninety to one hundred and twenty days to see what comes out. Um, and on that note, Kyle, thank you so much for your time, mate. Um, it's been a pleasure. And um, do you want to take a moment tell us about your Twitch stream and how do we find you on Twitch? That's where I've kind of watched yeah. a few of your streams. Absolutely, yeah. So. Uh... Uh, twitch.tv slash Avon Field Stables. Um, I also just rebranded the Twitter actually today, and it is now uh, twitter.com backslash Avon Fields underscore Zed. Um, just tried to make things a little easier to follow. Actually, we've had a pipe burst here at the house because it got down Damn. to like negative six Fahrenheit right before Christmas. So we've had no water, um, but this weekend we're getting the streams fired back up again. And, uh, and it's great. It's a lot of fun. We do a lot of cool stuff there. Uh, we've got a guest star app application to where anyone can come on anytime and we can chat and we can race and DJ and we can drink some beers and have a good time. We'd love to have you on as well. 
Adam, if you ever want to pop in and hang out with us one night. And uh, yeah, it's a good time. And, and we'll be back on the ball hopefully this weekend with some, with some good Zed content. Fantastic. I just might take you up on that. Yeah, we'd love to have you. Point. Oh, yeah. Cheers, mate. All right. Cheers. Well, yep. See you on the track. Yeah, we'll see you on the track. Have a great weekend and uh, take care, man. Well, that's it for episode three of the Stable Hands podcast. Really glad that you joined us and I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed having that conversation. Thanks again to Kyle from Avon Field Stables. And if you want to win that level 300 donkey, you've made it this far, hit me up in Twitter with the code 300donkeys and I'll choose a winner. Until then, see you next week. Thank you.